we had an interesting couple of days at that conference, and, and the, whole, um, the whole theme of it was movement. And the whole theme of nearly all of the teaching in it was about us moving, about us doing something different. And on Tuesday, no, sorry, Wednesday morning, on my way into work, um, I had some time and I sat and I watched a, a podcast, a, a video podcast of a guy called Paul Scanlon. And I sent it out to anybody who's in the, in the Hope kind of a general group. If you haven't got it, tell me and I'll send it on to you. And what I was amazed at was his teaching was about moving. It was about us moving. And the bit that, that I had um, thought I was to speak about this week what wasn't movement. But between the movement thing and even that little video where I talked about the power of our words, um, the scripture that, that the Lord put on me heart to talk, that sounds really weird, doesn't the Lord put on me heart, but that's what he did. He just said it into me head and into me, into me spirit that talk about this. Because there was a scripture that wrecked my head for a long time. And it's in um, Deuteronomy and in Exodus. And it's going to be up on the screen because I haven't got it wrote down, so you're going to put it on the screen for me. And it says this, You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the wall or under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity or the sin, in another translation, of the fathers and the children and on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. For showing love and kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. And it's in Deuteronomy 5. And Exodus 20. And the bit that wrecked my head about this was that I thought God was very unfair. Because when I read this scripture the very first time, I was probably, I don't know, maybe a year, two years, trying to, to figure my way out of walking with Jesus. I'd had an encounter with God in a church in town. Um, I'd made a commitment, put my hand up, walked up the front, someone prayed. I prayed. I was trying to figure out how you could walk. But I knew I was messing up. Left, right, and center. And I couldn't figure out why, if God was just and God was all of this stuff, why he would punish my kids for what I was doing. Because that's not fair. We all know that's not fair. It's true. I shouldn't be punished for what someone else did. And I certainly didn't think and whatever about, I never even, I have to say, I never even came into my head about me being punished for what my parents had done. That wasn't there. But I had this huge thing going on about, that's not okay, God, that you can basically pick on my kids because I've done something stupid. And I, and I thought about this, and I wrote about it, and I journaled about it, and I gave out about it, and I asked anybody I could what they thought of it, and I had this conversation, and I must have gone on for about a year in my head. Not all the time, not every day, but any time I would come back to it, the same thing would come up. And it was like one day, I don't know whether it was a light went on or what, but God showed me that he doesn't punish my kids for the stupid things I do, but that they get to live in the consequences of the stupid things that I do. And the sins and the mistakes that I make, they live with. And this was in my head, probably from Monday or Tuesday, about what I was going to talk about this week. And then Anne came in on 
Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday? Thursday, we were talking. And Anne had been driving through Crumlin, and she saw someone, and it was a teenager. And it was a teenager from a family that we know. And the family have addiction in it, and have had addiction in it for I don't know how long, but the parents are addicts and have used. And this 15-year-old kid is walking down the road overhead. And she's with a fella who's out of his head. And she has a baby. And you're thinking the sins of the father are passed down from generation to generation. And I'm like, that isn't okay. That just isn't okay. Somewhere in here, something has to stop this. And I know in my life that it was, it was the blood of Jesus that stopped it. Because God gave me that picture and he went, look at Brian, if you just, if you live. Because you see, the last piece of that scripture says that I will show love and kindness to those who love me and keep my commandments. And what God showed me was that if I just do what he's telling me to do, then he will show love and kindness to me. And he will show it to my kids and to my grandkids and to my great-grandkids. And you see, this, this scripture originally was written about people going into a land that was like, they, they were coming from, they were either coming out of Egypt, they were wandering the desert for 40 years, they were going into this land that was occupied by people who did not know God. And who didn't care about God. And there was all kinds of idols in that land that people worshipped. They had like Asherah poles or like kind of totem poles or whatever you want to call them. They worshipped rocks, they worshipped the sun, they worshipped the moon, they worshipped the rivers, they worshipped anything. They sacrificed their babies to, to fires. They done all kinds of stuff. Everything except worshipping God. And I thought, how similar that is to our worlds today. Because you can be into anything. I mean literally anything. Except mention the name Jesus. And your grand. Well, start talking about Jesus and wanting to pray to him and you're a weirdo. You're a bigger. You, you name it, whatever, the, whatever word you can think of. And it's like the world has set up hundreds and thousands of different idols for people to worship. Some of them is money, security, power, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You name it, it doesn't really matter. It's all there. Nothing has changed all that much. But what God is saying is, don't fall into the trap of worshipping them things. And when you think worshipping, I don't know, like, when I think about people in them days worshipping, I'm thinking about these people down their hands and knees going, you know, like, down like this, worshipping some pole. And you're thinking like, yeah, I'm not worshipping any pole. I'm not down on my hands and knees. But worship is always where we, also where we put our security, where we put our trust where we put our, our resources, where we put our money, where we put our time, where we put our effort, what we're giving our life to is also worship. I said, like God is saying, worship me first. Give me your life. And, it, and if you do that, then I will give you. There's another scripture that says, seek first the kingdom. Give God everything, and then everything that you actually need, he'll give you. He may not give you everything you want. That's the reality of it. There's lots of things I want that I don't get. 
I'd still like a nice American stuff like that. I don't know if I'm ever going to get one. Huh? A nice one. But I don't need one. But I can promise you, from the day that I learned to put him first, and that doesn't mean that, that it's like I, I just do God and everyone else can go to hell. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or anything else. I, I have a life. I have a, a family. I have um, friends. I have work. I have all kinds of stuff. But the thing is, it was to learn to bring God into all of that. So it's part of life. It's part of me. I don't just go to church on a Sunday and go home and forget about him for the rest of the week. It's part of every single day. And, and that, that act of worship... And do you know what one of the biggest motivators I had for doing this in the beginning? Was so that my kids wouldn't get screwed over. It wasn't even so I'd have a better life. It was just I had this great fear inside of me that they're going to have a hard enough life without me making it worse for them. But what we learned as I went along was God started challenging me and telling me, right, well, for a start you need to be honest, which I wasn't the most honest person in the world. And there was a load of other things in my life that were wrong. And slowly but surely, one by one, God stepped on his finger on bits of them. I wasn't very generous. He started teaching me to be generous. started teaching me to give money away that we didn't have, which was a bit of a challenge, but we figured it out. He started teaching us to give our time, to give our lives into other things besides just us. And you know, as he did that, and I changed, then my kids' futures changed. And now I have grandkids, and I know for a fact that my grandkids are going to have a different life than they would have if Jesus hadn't got a hold of us, and we hadn't surrendered to him, and we hadn't gone his way. You see, no matter what we do, it doesn't matter what we get wrong, there'll be forgiveness for it, and go out and murder someone tomorrow. I'm not planning on it, just in case somebody dies tomorrow when I get blamed. I'm not planning on it. But if I did, I could be forgiven for it. But I'd still have consequences to face. I could still end up in jail. The family might even forgive me. Do you know what I'm saying? God will forgive me. The family might. But I'll still be serving time. I'll still have consequences for it. David, uh, King David in the Bible, in the Old Testament... He was the king. He had everything going for him. He committed adultery. Then he killed the husband. Blah, 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 blah. He was forgiven by God. He was still the king. Didn't lose all of that, but he lived with consequences. And his kids went off the rails. Several of them. He committed adultery with one woman in secret. One of his kids committed adultery with all of his concubines in public. So, so the bit, I suppose, that... that have is that we have this choice every day about what we do with our lives. And God wants us to worship him first. And not because he's some insecure, narcissistic thing that if we don't all go, oh, Jesus, you're great. It's going to be like not able to sleep at night. But because he knows if we do that, we'll have the best life we can have. And so will our kids, and so will our grandkids, and our great-grandkids, and our great-great-great-grandkids. You count how many generations you can think of. 
You count how far your family can spread out. It can all change with just you. Or we can go on the way of the world and see where that brings. And honest to God, you don't have to look very far. Just look around you. Look at the families around you that are devastated generation after generation after generation with the same things over and over and over again. The same stuff just repeat. How many girls have I met who have married alcoholics or addicts whose dad was an alcoholic? Who swore, I can't wait to get away from him. He's a blah, 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 blah. I never want to be near any of them. And they end up married to the same thing. I mean, if we don't have an alternative, then all we have is what we know. But the scriptures give us an alternative. They give us a picture of what life could be like. If we're willing to to listen to what he says, and then, well, here's the big thing, it's no good just listening if you're not going to do. We we have a phrase in... in, um, in Suicide is Avoid, the place I do some work for, and it's like there's people dying every single day of the week with awareness. They have more awareness than you could believe. They know everything about themselves. They've been to this counselor, that counselor, and the other counselor, but their lives are still in the jock because they never put anything into action. They never changed anything. They never took what they said and did it. You can go to the doctor and you go, Brian, you're overweight, you're going to have another heart attack, or you're going to have a heart attack, I haven't had one yet, you're going to have a heart attack. And I can go, yeah, the doctor said, so I'm very aware I can have a heart attack. And I'm still sitting there eating the bag of chips with the batch bread and the butter dripping off it. Yeah? Uh, are you with me? It's like, so the awareness is no good. Knowing, just knowing that if I do things God's way, then life can turn out this way. But if I do things my way, then life can turn out this way. Knowing that's not going to make any difference unless you make a choice to do it that way. And if there's stuff in your life now and you're going, oh God, like it's too late now, I should have changed 20 years ago, my kids are grown up and this and that and the other, it's never too late. It's never too late. Because I don't know how he does it, but I know God can fix things from the past. I have no idea how he does it. But somehow or other, he walks things around. Romans promises that he walks things around. And he will change things. And he'll make them all work out for the good. Somehow or other. No matter how manic it is or how bad it is, he can make it work out for the good. But it'll only work out for the good if you surrender it to him. You can't just keep going your merry way with your fingers in your ears going, daddy, 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 and then go, God will work it out for the good. That won't work. But if we're willing to stop, and if we're willing to get to the place where we go, Jesus said, let's just be honest for a minute. Let's, sorry, talk about being honest for a minute. I lied through my teeth before I knew the Lord. It was kind of normal for me. If I was supposed to do something and I forgot, or I didn't do it for whatever reason, and someone said, you get that done? I'd either go, yeah, I got it done, and run, or I'd have a million and one reasons why I didn't get it done. And none of them would be my fault. 
None of them. Because there was a, a word, a horrible word associated with R. I think it's called responsibility or something like that. I don't like that word. It's not my favorite. Blame is much better. Yeah. So God, like, and, and I'm, and I'm, how did God tell me? Because I read what he said. I read his little book. And it kind of tells you, stop telling noise. And it also tells you, if you, if you haven't been working, go and get a job. It tells you loads of ordinary stuff. That makes a huge difference if you put it into practice. And, and as you step into them yokes, and I'm not pretending it's easy, it's not. It's simple. But it's not easy, but you know what? He gives us the grace to do it. And he gives us the strength to do it. And learning even to be generous. I mean, we could barely put food on the table for our own kids or pay the rent. And God's saying, be generous to other people. I'm kind of going, wait, what? But there's this thing about trusting him and stepping out and, and, and believing what he says is true. And then stepping into that. And when you do, then he shows up. So I'm out of time. I want to say this. Jesus came to save us. All right? But not just to save us, but to save us so that through us, we could impact the world around us, including our families. And I'll tell you, it's absolutely no good if we go out and save the world, but we don't save our own. I want to see, there's 20,000 people in Crumlin, and I want to see every one of them going to heaven. But I don't want to see it at the expense of my own kids or grandkids. I want to make sure that's right. And the place... The place I learned to speak in public about what God does is when I was in private with God. And the place he taught me how to do things that lead that mission that goes to Belarus or that lead this church was in my family. The place he taught me to take responsibility was at home. The place he taught me to grow up was at home. And after that then, he let me do other things. As any good parent would do. You're not going to let your 10-year-old child drive the car. You might in a field in Wexford, but you're not going to let him on the M50. Do you know what I mean? But if you teach him in the field in Wexford, then when it comes today, he can go on the M50. You can let him. And that's the way it is with God. He'll teach us in private so that you can do it in public. But if you're not willing to learn it in private, if you're not willing to... We've had conversations um, even about people coming out of addiction and stuff, and we've been working with, I've been working with people in addiction for nearly 30 years. And their addiction is all about them, and then their recovery is all about them. And it's like, where do you grow up and be responsible and become a, somebody who contributes into the world instead of someone who just takes? And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who are willing to take on the responsibility of growing up, do things his way so that we can live in that love and kindness forever. Anne agrees with me. I don't know about the rest of you. You're all looking fairly miserable. I'm not having a go. But I really think that God wants us to know that we need to move. And I'm not saying you're not moving, Okay? But it doesn't matter how far you've moved, there's more place to move to. 
I have moved a huge amount. If you knew me 30 years ago, I am a very different person. Very different. Don't believe me, ask Anne. Very different person, but I'm far from finished. God has tons he still has to teach me. But he also has tons of blessings that he wants to put through my life and into my life and from us and through us into other lives. But that can only happen if I'm willing to keep going back in that private place and go, okay, God, what do I do next? What's your commandments that I need to keep? Because you see, we, I grew up thinking the Ten Commandments were things to ruin me from. They were put there to spoil me life. You can't do anything that's good. Anything that's a bit of crack has to be a sin, so cut it out. Right? Ten Commandments were put in as promises. That if we followed them, we would live in a way that was amazing. And our families would live in ways that's amazing. And our communities would live in ways that's amazing. And I tell you something, if we had a country who was following God's commandments and living according to this, and worshipping God and not worshipping money and power and everything else, we wouldn't have 10,000 people homeless. I can tell you that now for a fact. We wouldn't have single mothers who were abandoned and left. We wouldn't have abused housewives. We wouldn't. We'd have people who are walking in the love and kindness of God. And the dream is to see the, the country like that. But it starts at home. It starts at home. And it started for me when I got the fright to think, if I don't do this right, then my kids are going to pay the price. And that's called emotional blackmail, but I bet you none of you want your kids to pay the price. So let's get our stuff free. So that our kids don't have to, and then their kids don't have to. But instead of them walking, and you see, because the blood of Jesus sets us free. There's a scripture, um, just skip a few slides there, there's a scripture from Romans. That if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Being saved means we're set into God's kingdom. We become his kids. So if I'm walking in God's ways and I'm one of his kids, I'm going to walk in his blessings. And if I'm walking in his blessings, anyone who's walking behind me is in them blessings too. So my kids are in them blessings. My grandkids are in them blessings. My church is in them blessings. Anybody that God puts behind me to lead, who's walking behind me, are walking in the blessings of whatever I get. And if I get it wrong, then everybody has a chance of suffering. No pressure. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That's scary when I think about it myself. But that's the reality of it. But you get that at home. You learn it in your own home. God has ways of dealing with every situation I have ever faced whether it was emotional, relational, spiritual, financial, physical, he had an answer for every question I had. And every situation I had to face that looked impossible or that I hadn't got the strength to deal with, he had a way through it. Lots of times I just wanted to run away from it, but he had a way through it. And if he did it for us, we're not something special. I'm not something special. He'll do it for any one of us. So what I want to leave you with is, I'm hoping I'm leaving you with hope and not just depression. All right? Because God's promise is that his love and kindness, his love and kindness is there 
for thousands of generations. Thousands. So if we just make the commitment to walk in his way, just make the commitment to go, I'm going to try and do it your way, God. Yeah, I'll, I'll mess up and you'll fall over and you will. And that's okay. Get up again and give it another shot. Dust yourself down and keep going. But if we make that commitment, I would stand as a testimony to say, God's promises are real and they come true. You live according to God's ways, you won't live in lack. You won't live in all the courses that this world is throwing at you. You'll live in his blessings. You'll have challenges and there'll be tough days, but you'll have the peace of God and the joy of the Lord in you to face all of them. Let's pray. Um, Father, I thank you for, for today. I thank you for your word. I pray that whatever I have said right now, that, that what's of you will go deep into our hearts. That whatever is of you will go deep into our hearts, Lord. Lord, if the stuff I've said that's just of me and it's, it's not what you wanted, then I pray it's just forgotten about. But I pray that what you have spoken into our hearts today Lord, I pray that we will live as people who know there are consequences for every action. Good and bad, Lord. That if we follow your ways, the consequences are good. But if we go against you, the consequences are bad. And it's not that you punish us. It's just that we live in the consequences of what we do and what we say. And I pray that we would be a people who take responsibility for our own lives and who do not live in a world of blame. Pray that we would mature into the people that you want us to be. I pray that we would be um, shining examples in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, and to all around us. That Jesus makes a difference. Because you made a difference in us. So Father, I pray for your people. I ask you that you would bless them. I pray that your face would shine on them. I pray that you would make this week one of the best weeks they've ever had. And I pray that you would challenge them to the core to be all that you created them to be. To be amazing, unique masterpieces. Because that's what you created them for. So Father, I bless them in your name. I pray peace. I pray joy and I pray strength. I pray that your presence would be with them every single day. And that they would know your comfort. They would know your guidance. And whatever challenges they're facing, Lord, they would know that they have the living God inside of them and with them to face anything that's coming their way. Pray you give them the best week ever in Jesus' name. If you need prayer individually, the prayer team will be up here on, the, on my right, your left. If you want to just come up, everyone else and maybe dismiss, you can go for coffee. If you need prayer individually for anything that's going on in your life, and please don't leave without getting some prayer because we know God moves and he changes things for the better. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a great week. Thank you.